Hello and welcome to part 4 of Anniversary in August by Delicate Scream, the movie, the horror movie that is, that saved the genre from the crap basement it was in with such great movies as Halloween 6, Freddy's Dead and Jason Goes to Hell. Thankfully, as the late, great Wes Craven dusts himself off after the so-so nightmare with this 1996 classic reinvention of horror. Unfortunately, this super smart, know-it-all style of horror ushered in torture porn and now the PG-13 horror fad. However, hopefully this fad dies as old-school haunted house movies are now making a comeback, just as long as Blumhouse has nothing to do with them, Conjuring 2 was just a fucking embarrassment. So, with that, it's on with the show. Must have seen this movie a dozen times or so, or to quote the movie, 20 goddamn times! And my best time was back in the early 2000s, with a cinema full of rabid Scream fans at the British, if not Scottish, premiere of Scream 3 at 6am after an all-nighter of all three Scream movies and a terrible Amdram murder mystery play which was bloody god-awful. Anyway, moving on. Starring Nair Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Rose McGowan, Skeet Aldrich, Matthew Lillard, Jimmy Kennedy and Drew Barrymore. Directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. The plot, a teen and her friends are stopped and killed by a trivia-talking, phone-calling mass maniac. Can she figure out who it is, or will she be next for the knife? Also, who can she trust, if anyone? Now, I'm changing things up a little bit, as I usually go through the film scene by scene, but now I'm going to just do key scenes, such as the part with Drew Barmore was made to cry on cue by Wes Craven, with him just saying the quote, the cat was on fire, as days before shooting, a cat was set alight by his owner, and Drew Barrymore was a huge animal lover, so he all you could say was the cat is on fire, and she burst into tears. Also, that is not Drew Barrymore hanging from the tree, but a dummy that she still has to this day. Also, the line, quote, the Mackenzie's down the street, is from Halloween, one of the many nods to that movie. The next scene, we meet Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, who I knew from the equally great The Craft, the first time I watched this movie. However, she's probably best known for her part in Party of Five, and the super creepy boyfriend of Sidney, Billy Loomis, played by Skeet Ulrich again. He was in The Craft, which, by the way, did charm just rip that clean off completely, or was it just me? As Billy sneaks into Sydney's bedroom, doing his best Johnny Depp from Nightmare 1, were we ever supposed to think he was a nice guy? Because, uh, nope. Right from day one when I saw this movie, I knew he was one of the killers. 
There's just something too off about him. So after some quote-unquote playful banter, with him moaning about not having sex and something to do about The Exorcist, Sydney's father, or father of the year, uh, pops in and says he's going away for the weekend, the weekend of which is his wife and Sydney's mother's death of her first anniversary. Yes, well done that man. Moving on to Scream's one major flaw, the super snarky and what all Dawson's Creek dialogue. Now, no teenager talks like that outside the movies and some TVs shows. Well, maybe they do now, but not back then, they fucking didn't. And I love how Billy thinks talking about The Exorcist is sweet talk, and he can get into Sydney's granny nighty. Also, for years I thought she said, quote, Would you like to sit over a peaky teen relationship and not a PG-13 relationship? <laughs> Before <clears throat> I move on to Linda Bird cameo, God damn you, scary movie for ruining this movie. God fucking damn you. On to the press circus at the school. And the Linda Blair cameo where what else is she just talking about but the occult. Because of course she is because she's Linda Bloody Blair. And that's all she's known for is the Exorcist and Exorcist 2. Also we first meet super bitch Gail Weathers played by friend star Courtney Cox in a hideous yellow suit. And then Sydney's best friend Tatum Riley, played by Rose McGowan, best known for Charmed and Robert Rodriguez movies, also as Marilyn Manson's wild ex-wife. Ah, yes, Deputy Dewey, Tatum's big brother, played by the one and only David Arquette, former Mr. Cox, Courtney Cox as, and an off-the-wall actor. Moving on. Also, Joseph Whip, playing Sheriff Burke, Used in Wes Craven's other great horror, Nightmare on Elm Street, as, yes, you've guessed it, a cop. Of course, how could I miss out Principal Hembury, played by Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself, who frankly should have been recast. He's terrible on this role, and his death scene is laughable. Finally, the two remaining friends of this clique, <coughs> Stuart, played by Matthew Lord, and Randy, played by Jamie Kennedy. Enough said, and I'm moving on. One thing I will say was Stu supposed to be a red herring because I knew from this scene he was a little bit off. From the first time I watched this, I knew there was two killers. Call me a smartass all you like, but it's true. This Scooby-Doo killer horror subgenre I really liked, but this one is far too easy. Urban legend had a much better murder mystery. Moving on to Sydney's first attack. So was the killer in Sydney's house waiting in a closet all along? If so, why didn't Billy kill Sydney in her sleep and just wait and drag this thing out for days later? Just kill the bitch already. Jesus jinkies. And I love how on the phone to the killer, I'm guessing that's Stu, Sydney says she doesn't watch horrors as it's insulting as all the girl does is run upstairs when she should be going through the front door. Like she couldn't get that fucking chain off and she has to run up the bloody stairs. Up the stairs rather. She couldn't get that chain off the door. Yes love, well done. And according to the director's commentary, Nev did all her own stunts and all of her fighting scenes as she was a former trained dancer. One other thing, why was Sydney using a deaf typer um, for her internet chat? Wasn't AOL chat around in 1996? Hmm. 
and on the floor of Scream is the name Ghostface and that ridiculous costume. It's actually a costume just bought off the shelf and how fucking lazy is that? Jeez, and I love Gail's line in this move your fat to blurred ass now. I used to use that line a lot and it shows just how much a bitch she actually is. I also love how Sydney smacks Gail as she harasses her outside the police station. According to Craven, this was actually a real punch. I also like how Tatum doesn't give a fuck about Dewey and doesn't respect him one little iota. Typical brother and sister stuff there. Spot leave Shriver in a blink and you'll miss it cameo as Cotton Weary, setting things up for Scream 2. Spot yet another Linder Blair cameo, harassing Sydney outside the school yet again. So from the back and forth with Gail and Sydney, did Billy rape and murder Sydney's mother? Then frame Cotton as a further thing one year earlier? Or was that Stu? Or was Stu just a patsy? that Billy was going to frame for much later. And was Billy or Stu just waiting for Sydney to go into the toilet all afternoon? That bathroom scene attack never actually ever worked for me. So moving on. On to him, Bree's death. But not before a West Craven cameo as Fred the Janitor wearing the actual outfit from Nightmare Street 1. Is it wrong I laughed the first time I saw this at him, Bree's death? The thing still cracks me the fuck up. This pathetic death scene I should have been cut. A dialogue between Sydney and Tatum about this being a West Carpenter movie. God, was that an ever ego boost moment or was it just me? Also, how did no one see Stu in the bushes stalking them? Hmm? Broad daylight and this guy's wearing the masked costume that's been splattered over the TV for the past two days. And then he notices this guy in the bushes. Okay then. Moving on to the video store and spot the Jamie Lee Curtis poster for her movie Mother's Boys and you throw a nod to Halloween. Like Bill Loomis wasn't enough nor was having the climax overplayed by Halloween's score. Also, the scene in the video sh- store totally gave away Billy and Stu and their little bromance or dare I say maybe a little bit more. The way Stu leans over Randy as Billy puts him in his place, it is just too much and was far, far too obvious. So the town goes into curfew and here the movie quotes, it's like the town that dreaded sundown, a boring ass movie that went nowhere. However, this is just one of a slew of movies talked about. We get it, Kevin Williamson, you watch some bloody well movies. Moving on. So two of your classmates are killed and Sidney Prescott is stalked and attacked twice. So, what else you do but hold a huge-ass house party? That's because of course you do. I also love to host one of these all-nighter horror parties. However, I don't have enough friends for that. Because I'm a sad little little geek. (laughs) And yet more lovey-dovey bullshit between Gail and Dewey. Yawn. So, Stu sends Tatum to the garage to get killed. Making my theory of him being gay hold some more water. Also, does... He doesn't get his hands dirty at all, as it was a garage doors. Which, by the way, nope. Just nope. On to Sydney and Billy's love scene. Was this the final insult before Billy killed her? Or was he a Randy Tane trying to try his luck one final time? Hmm. Oh, by the way, Kevin Williamson, Pig's Blood was using Carrie as Kig's... Kig's... Ugh. 
Pig's blood washes and kitty as pig's blood so craven or Williamson got that one wrong. Oh dear, Randy's rules. What a lot of crap. Moving on. Yet more love angle bullshit as Dewey and Gail wander off to find a car in the bushes. Boring. One thing, with 30 minutes left, does Halloween's ending sync up with screams? I'm not sure about that one. And how the hell did no one notice Gail's quote hidden camera? That thing is fucking huge. When Sydney quizzes the clearly nuts Billy about his phone call saying it would be the perfect chance to throw her off. Yeah, because the cops would allow him to stand there with the voice in her thing in his hand as she's calling her. Yes, well done that one, love. How didn't Randy not see Stu reflecting on the TV screen as he sits and watches the end of Halloween, yet he is reflecting on it perfectly? Hmm, moving on. So, Stu does get his hands dirty by killing Gail's cameraman, or was that one Billy? Hmm. Dewey checks out the house as Halloween plays on the TV, and it's its ending. Again, does this sync up? I don't think so. So, with Gail taken out, by her bad driving, it's down to Randy, Sid and Dewey to figure out it was Billy and Stu all along. Unfortunately, Dewey gets in the back, so it's down to Sydney to face off against the killers as Randy gets shot by a bug nuts, bug nuts Billy, quoting from Psycho, a movie series I will be covering next month. With the infamous reveal, it was Billy and Stu all along. Finally! We hear their plan and I couldn't help but think Stu is head over heels for Billy and he is just his little lap dog. He is also a mummy's boy as he whimpers when Sydney says she's called the cops that his mum and dad will be so mad at him. Oh dear, he's killed seven people and he's worried about mummy and daddy will think you for fuck's sake. I should say a scary movie is said several times during this movie which was supposed to be called that, but it was changed last minute by the Weinstein brothers, and Bob Weinstein rechristened it Scream, because he wanted to use the name again in a much later terrible franchise scary movie. The line, quote, Dick you hit me with the goddamn phone, was an improv by as Screet Ulrich hit Lillard with the phone due to the fake blood being too slippery. Also the lines, Houston, we have a problem. And I've also a thing for you, Sid. Not to mention, the aforementioned, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Making me think this script was bloody terrible if Lillard was made to go off script a dozen or so times. Also, apparently, Jimmy Kennedy did the same. So the the part where Sydney stabbed Billy with the umbrella uh, was on his surgical scar he had as a kid, and Nez, as Nev couldn't see through the mask, so she stabs him in the chest, and that is real pain on poor Skeet's face. So Sydney kills Stu with the TV, then Gail shoots Billy, but not before Billy comes back for one final scare. So Sydney shoots him between the eyes as Gail does a piece to camera and credits roll to one final scare as Ghostface pops up. Setting things up for part two. So that was Scream, the saviour of horror. However, it's just too 90s for its own good and it's too much of a hip know-it-all wise-ass thing for its own good. Also, the Dawson's Creek dialogue is fucking horrible. However, I'm going to give this thing a 7 out of 10 because it's still a good movie.
if not a great movie. So come back next month for Psycho franchise. And then October is a rock October, where I look at Alice Cooper and other rock icon movies. And November is Nostalgia November, where I look at V for Vendetta, Donnie Darko, S Darko, and A Nightmare for Christmas. Then December is Festive Frights. Also better follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. And that is all lowercase. Anyway, with that, it's a whisper to a scream and a bye. And it flows like water burning With a hope of inside feathers Books the colors of a bright elation stolen Inside of